the truth is that 98% of people in the United States are estimated to not meet their daily intake of fiber. And like, we're so focused on protein, right? And this really isn't a conversation that's at the forefront. And I think by making plants delicious, which where does fiber come from? It comes from plants. And I don't just mean vegetables. It comes from whole grains, your beans, your fruit, your vegetables. So as long as you can make those things delicious and in abundance, you're going to be 100 steps ahead rather than having just like a plate of chicken and rice, which is what I literally thought was the picture of health before transitioning to plant-based. That is Carly Bodrog, Legends, and you are listening to the Epic Table Podcast. Team, welcome to March. Who would have thought we we're already here? It's uh, It's been quick, not going to lie for us, but I have seen a list of guests lined up that we have coming your way. I've recorded quite a few of them already, and I'm pumped for the continuous part of at least Q1 and Q2 onwards for you, particularly listeners listening to this episode and the show in general. So I just want to say if this is your first time listening to the Epic Tale podcast, hearing this accent, definitely consider hitting that subscribe button if you are interested in improving your human performance or being inspired to hear some stories where people have really taken the leap or their researchers in a particular field that you want to better yourself in. It could be something physical, mental, spiritual even. So just uh, yeah, hit that subscribe button or wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it be Apple, Spotify, wherever it is. But speaking of this week's guest, Carly, she is incredible. I've had the absolute pleasure of knowing Carly for about 6 to 12 months now. And I'm just going to put it like this. Imagine a ray of sunshine who is informative, charismatic, and just brings you so much life whenever you see her content. Carly is that person to me, at least. She's built up such a phenomenal following. She's got 3 million plus across all her social uh, you know, social platforms. And I am so stoked to say, as of I think last week or two weeks ago, she is a New York Times bestseller with her book that has just come out, Plant You. It is so cool. It is honestly like, think of a friend that is dear to you that you just want to succeed with. That should be all of your friends. And just seeing her do this, it was just incredible. So I'm very blessed, and you're about to hear this, to be the first person to announce this um, You know, on a podcast. Obviously, it's been announced across social, but... When, when it happened, it was like two days later, I got to recall with her and it was really, really cool. And so I'm, I think you, you'll definitely hear it in my voice. This is why I'm so pumped to have this show. I'm so pumped with the guests we have lined up because everything I have right now is very much, I'm so connected to these guests and she's epic. Like honestly, she's incredible. So if you didn't know who Carly is, she's Canadian, absolute legend. She has a brand called Plant You, as I said, and the book itself is a New York Times best-selling cookbook, which is so cool. So she's uh, effectively become even more famous this year, particularly last year. She's able to, she created like this scrappy cooking series. So she's taken these simple low-waste vegan recipes and made them awesome, which is epic. And there's another one, another creator named Max Lamano is also doing that as well. Shout out to him. He's a legend who I'm going to get on as well. But she's incredible. She's been featured in Rachel Ray's uh, or Rachel Ray's show. She's been on GMA. She's been a Business Insider, KTLA, just to name a few. But ultimately, you need to buy the book. Like, I'm going to push that now. If you can't buy the book, it's because it's been sold out. So try and jump on. If it hasn't, 
make sure you sign up for when it does come in stock that you can purchase it. I will say it straight away. In today's episode, what will you get? Well, you definitely get to hear Carly's awesome story. You'll hear me be a cheerleader, not going to lie. You will definitely get to learn how someone has taken that leap, but how she was pretty strategic about going from what her previous business was or what her previous profession was into the, the business she's currently in, which she's super openly about talking how she's still learning day to day how it is and even recently how the success of the book has like made her really think about you know where she's going, which is really exciting. But she also talks about the moral part of her journey and how that role plays a part in her creations like you saw with Scrappy Cooking. So she comes from a small town in Canada and a lot of this is completely new to her. But she's telling a story and writing a story as she goes in a really cool, relatable way. So for all you creators out there, content creators, or people who just love posting stuff on social media, or even just maybe have a bit of a personal brand. I know we did a personal brand podcast recently. This is a really good one for you to kind of follow up on that. She's She is the class act of that podcast episode and that topic. So definitely going to learn a lot about that. We definitely touch about how we should eat more plants and she helps us do that as well. And so I'm really excited to get her on in just a couple of minutes. Now team, last week I put an Instagram reel out that we had a lot of comments on regarding, uh, you know, particularly the service that Zoe does. Now Zoe, I've talked about on this podcast before as a personalized nutritional program. We send you out a kit. We measure three different things. We measure your blood glucose response to certain foods, your blood fat response to certain foods, and of course that gut microbiome, or we call them your good and your bad bugs. And from that, we can determine quantitatively. So we give you a little number on each one to assess how well you respond to not only the cohort, so for example, the macronutrients specifically, but the actual individual ingredients as well. So for example, you may look at a banana and you may eat the banana, which is rich in starch, similarly to an apple. And believe it or not, you may respond better to a banana than you do to an apple, but like on a significant scale. And so we can understand that. So we can learn to feed you or help you eat the right foods that are for you to help you perform. This podcast is all that help you perform. And that's exactly why Zoe is awesome for a lot of you listeners. On top of that, we can look at your gut microbiome, as I said, and determine what you're deficient in and what you have a lot to mount in that are not actually good for you. And so what we do is we can then help you understand what to eat to build up the good bugs and get rid of the bad ones because each bug is associated with a particular uh, either bad characteristics or good characteristic. Personally, I didn't realize this, but one of the bacteria I need to get more of is actually dairy is actually in full uh, full fat dairy yogurt. So I don't have a lot of it, and I'm sure there's other ways to get there's definitely other ways to get that bacteria. But that's one way I could get it, and I only knew that through assessing the, um, the doing the Zoe program. After that, we give you some options in terms of um, you know recipes and such to work on, and that's how you saw me track not only my proteins, fats, and carbs on my recent and my current ten week. Uh, plant-based journey but it's also how I assessed how many plants I was having each week I get a plant score it also talked about my diversity so all that in one is exactly why you guys love this show as we talk about that a lot but how you can definitely get involved as well so if you're looking to help find a way to find the right foods that are for you 
head to joinzoe.com and use the code DAN10 where we can help you truly understand the right foods that are for you. And I'm interested to know if any of you are looking for more recipes on those specific ingredients. So once you, if you do sign up, joinzoe.com and then use code DAN10. I'm pumped. Please let me know. Um, I'd love to help create more recipes around the things that you are deficient in as well. So team, as I said, we are having intermittent fasting as well next month with the first Monday to Friday of the month. If you're looking to join along with the Epic Table community, you can head to danchurch.com, go to the resources tab. You can then tick the intermittent fasting download button and we have the little planner that gets sent your way. I think most of us are doing the 11.30 to 7.30, eight-hour eating window, but work, you know, do whatever's right for you, what works for you. But I'm pumped to hear what you guys break your fast with, what's working for you, what you're struggling with. Please continue to update us as well. So without saying anything further, team, it is time to get the legend that is Carly on. Carly, you're an absolute baller, mate. I'm blessed to have you as a mate and welcome to the epic table podcast it is my absolute pleasure to be the first person to actually say this but carly from plant U, and now new york times best seller welcome to the epic table podcast Oh my goodness, Dan, doesn't that sound cool? <laughs> I'm getting it sounds chills. Even cooler. It sounds even cooler with your accent, but you're the first person to call me a New York Times bestseller, so oh, I'm pretty man. happy right now. Dude, I just, I think it was like two days ago, I saw it, I saw it come up and I was just telling you, I'm like riding my bike, I'm riding the bike to work. <laughs> like, I just like, I'm jumping on FaceTime and it was like 7.30 in the morning. I know you're, you like get up early and you uh, you know, you probably don't start working until like seven or anything, but I was like, I'm FaceTiming her. I'm so excited right now. And I just was like to you, I was like, I was unbelievably so stoked for you when I saw that you posted on your Instagram that you had you know, gotten to New York Times bestseller. It is, um, I'm so, congratulations. I've said it thousands, thousands of times. I want to say it again on air. And I want people to know that it is, I, I could not think of like, there's such a group of people that you, you and I know very well that we're just like so deserved and you hustle, you work, you are so genuine, your content is amazing. And I'm just so, I'm so stoked for you. I really am. Oh my gosh, Dan, thank you so much. And you know what the coolest part about it is? Like I got so many calls that night and the morning (laughs) after, and it's like all of these cool people like you and our friend, Dr. Will Balsowitz, and all of these cool people I've met in this journey that really like backed the book a hundred percent. And that's what, that's what moves the needle and makes dreams come true. It's community. And it's, it's truly the best part to be able to share it with people. It really is, man. Especially when like, I don't know, you're growing this community like on your phone and across social and you have people reach out and then you make like a tangible thing. I know you've you know, you're really experiencing this now, right? And it's like, wow, like I, the people that I really, everyone matters. Everyone really does matter. The people you connect in this kind of sphere where, um, you know, we both cook, we both put content out there and we can, there's, there's like a sense of, I understand what it takes to do what it is to get to where that person is. And so it's just, it, it's just, uh, that, that's why I love what we do because we are, we are providing so much value of happiness and health and wellness and awesomeness so that when these things pay off, it's like everyone champion this person, cheerlead them, wave your pom-poms, do backflips, whatever it is, it is awesome. 
100% because I think it's so easy to look at content on Instagram and it be this beautiful feed and think to yourself, wow, like that looks awesome. That's so easy. And only another food creator <laughs> knows the, the grind, the mess, the lost uh, film files, the recipes that don't turn out. So yeah, like when somebody wins in an extraordinary way, it's like a win for everyone. I uh, think anyways, that's, that's the only way to look at it. Absolutely. Oh man. I just like, I want to know how long does it take you to do a recipe? Cause you, you, you're just saying you still do everything, don't you? Yes. We were talking before this, but I, <laughs> I film, edit, recipe test. It's a solo job here in my home. And how long does it take me? I mean, it varies, right? Like recipe tests can be multiple tests or they can be like a win in one and done. But the filming and the editing, it, it can be like a multi-day project for sure. That's why when I see people like churning out videos every single day, I'm like, you're superhuman. <laughs> like I, I can do like maybe three a week on a good week, three to four a week. And I think the thing about Instagram and TikTok is that we've been so trained to look at it as like a content machine. And prior to putting out videos, I was like completely on the infographic train and photo train. And like, it was easy at that point to put up something every day. But when you're doing like full on produced videos with music and voiceovers and recipes and clips, it's a lot of work. Yeah. You become a director, a producer, a photographer, an editor, the whole thing, man. And I, I do want to preface guys, like we, we've actually been chatting now for about five minutes on air, but um, Carly and I actually had a, a probably about half an hour just catch up about life prior to this, which is always so reassuring before I'm jumping on a podcast. So uh, there's going to be moments where we're going to be backtracking to what we just previously talked about because I didn't have the recording button pressed. Um, irrespective of this though, there is a lot of work that goes into these things. And the fact that you're still doing it to date, despite the success you're, you know, absolutely deservedly getting right now is incredible. And that's why I'm like, I'm, I'm curious on a number of levels, and this is such a, an obvious answer to this in so many ways, but two and a half years ago when you first uh, had that little introduction to, you know, what could be two and a half years later, which is now, I, where, were you, where were you at like uh, content-wise? Were you just doing the infographs? Like were you doing any videos at all? And also second part to that question, when you were asked if you were interested in doing a book, was your goal to be a, a bestseller, let alone New York Times bestseller? Like what was your vision there? So two and a half years ago, I never even imagined I would become like a full-time video creator, which I think a lot of people would probably consider what I do. I was putting out recipe infographics and you've seen my book. It was literally like those graphics within the book posted on Instagram. And I thought that's like what I what I would do. And uh, it's a funny story, actually. For anybody listening, you should follow our mutual friend, the Gut Health MD, Dr. Will Bolsowitz on Instagram, because I found him on Instagram like maybe two and a half, three years ago. And he, the information he was sharing, I just felt was so profound and essential for people to hear because it really has the potential to help people's health uh, from a gut health perspective. So I started like sharing all of his content and telling people to follow him. I had about a following of 150,000 or something on Instagram at the time. 
And we connected like we became fast friends. And one day he just messaged me and was like, oh, when when's your cookbook coming out? And at this time, I had never in my life thought about writing a cookbook. I don't come from a culinary background. I was sharing like real my really simple recipe infographics on Instagram. They were obviously taking off. And he actually gave me a call and walked me through what it would look like to like secure a literary agent and a publisher and put a book out. And it was the weirdest thing because three days later, I actually got a direct message from a literary agent from New York. And it was so weird, like the weirdest thing. And she turned out to be an angel, thank goodness, because I think a lot of people can get taken advantage of in the publishing industry. And from there, the proposal started being built. Did I ever think that it would be a New York Times bestselling cookbook? God, no. I was just like floored that I was even getting a cookbook deal. Like, absolutely. I thought that was just the craziest thing to ever happen. So now sitting here two and a half years later and seeing people making recipes from the cookbook and the positive reaction is really just surreal. And I have to tell you, for anybody listening, it's kind of funny. I went into like Chapters Indigo or like that's like Canada's Barnes and Noble probably about six months ago. And at this time, I hadn't received a hardcover copy of my book. Yeah, the manuscript was done. I had seen that. And I went in and was looking at cookbooks. And I thought to myself, oh, my goodness, my cookbook is awful compared to what is going out there. Like it is just, this is embarrassing. Um, I can't believe I'm doing this. Who am I? Like imposter syndrome times 1 million. And I mean, here we are and people love it. (laughs) Still like the journey, the journey is never linear, right? Like it's just, it's, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Dude, I love the fact that a classic Canadian has just got that little bit of humbleness in them that just like, I I just, my book is definitely not good enough. And then all of a sudden reassurance hits with the best possible way of being awarded a good, you know, measure of your literally goods. That is amazing. That is unbelievable. I love the fact as well that so many things happen within the space of a week um, or two that just uh, key moments in your life you will remember forever. Obviously, Dr. B, just the legend that he is, being able to like just reach out and be like, hey, like he he saw something in you that he obviously just like, this chick's going to be baller and you probably already were at the time. And then all of a sudden he's just like, all right, this is what you need to do. And that's who he is. Uh, and, uh, you know, I 100% give credit to Dr. B just for being that person. But also part of it is like you putting out the energy that you did and the consistency you did to actually receive that energy. And that's just really, I think, pretty amazing because there's people in this world that you definitely like will give more time to because you think that it's not because you're going to get something out of it, but you want to see them succeed because you believe in them. So for him to see that back then is awesome. And then also for a literary agent to like also see the same thing and you know, it's, it, it's freaking cool, dude. It's really, really cool. So, um, I hope your parents and your family and everyone is so proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're in shock for sure. Yeah. Like the family's like, what is happening? I, oh my gosh, I couldn't get a hold of my parents after I found out it was a New York times bestseller. I couldn't get a hold of them for two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Like I, and it's 7 PM, like the news is public. So I'm like, okay, like, I guess I'm putting this out there. <laughs> and I called my mom. I'm like, 
client you is a New York Times bestseller. And she's like, wow. And then she got off the phone and all of her friends started calling her and being like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe this. And then she called me back and she's like, I guess this is a pretty big deal. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. Also classic Canadian, like just, just clueless. It's so funny because there's like so many moments. Okay, one, one, I'm going to reference a movie. One, I'm going to reference a true story. So um, I remember the first time my books came out in Australia and then I got offered an opportunity to come to America and be on a morning show. And I told my mom and she's like, oh, well, that's nice, Dan. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I love her. Bless her. And it reminded me of a movie called Mr. Deeds when Mr. Deeds is speaking to three lovely ladies sitting on a porch outside of a restaurant, is it, Bella? And um, they're like, how are you, Deeds? And they're like, oh, my my grandfather gave me $40 billion. And she's like, well, that's nice. It's the same thing here with for you. It's like you have that – amazing humble family that they have no idea to an extent about certain things in life and you kind of cherish that because that's kind of like that keeps you grounded that's like i am i am me i'm carly i came from this and that's who i am and you almost don't want that to change because it's like i don't want to be brought up in that world at the same time it's so funny when you get the contrast of people who know it's a big deal and you're like i'm glad i kind of get that as well but you don't want your parents to change right Oh, 100% not. Like it was classic. It like was classic for my parents. And you're right. Like it's this just this humbleness of not being aware of kind of that world. It's so where, crazy. yeah, like whereas for me, like I had just seen friends hit the list and like mm. the celebration <laughs> that kind of was around that. And beyond that, right? Like for me, this book is very mission-based. Like it was like, I really want to get people eating more plant-based food for a tons of different reasons. But to see a plant-based vegan cookbook, like hit the list, it's just, that's profound to me. Like that is, that is a signal that we are shifting and people are interested in plant-based eating, which is so, so cool. Like that, that doesn't get better than that. Mate, that is actually a really good point in itself. It's yes, your hard work, it's also, you're right, a sign of the times that we are, we can do this. We are believing in it. There's got to be enough people to warrant that book for it to get to where it is, which means we are opening up our, our, our ideas. And you're right, in the way that you actually go about your content and your service and the way that you provide your message, it, it does come within from many, many motives for you. You've discussed this before. And for that reason, it must be even more assuring for yourself that you're going about things the right way because there's obviously the natural doubts that slip in. Am I, am I imposter syndrome? Am I good enough to be this person? Is my message, does it resonate? Is it too hard? You know, all these things that I'm sure continue to slip into everyone listening today to your own personal brands or whatever you're achieving. And for you, particularly in this changing world where you want to be at the forefront, not for you, but for what you stand for, that is, that is really cool. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like, I don't know if you experienced this when you put your books out, but I've been making recipes on Instagram for a really long time. I have never in my life seen so many people cooking my recipes than when I published a book. Like they're just, I think something tangible about having it and knowing that that is having like 
somebody could get this book and it has a profound impact on them eating more plants. I don't even care if they go vegan. If they're eating more plants, like, oh my, like I said, it doesn't get better than that. Like that is, and seeing that impact is just mind blowing beyond the list, beyond everything. It's just mind blowing. Yeah, dude. And that, that's, that's the reason why we really like love everything you do, right? Because you're mission driven and you're doing it for the right reasons. It's not for Carly, even though Carly gets to win because she deserves to, it's for everything else going on. Um, Wow. I am, I, I'll be honest. I haven't been this pumped up at the first 15 minutes into a podcast for, for, for like, you know, I love, I love speaking to all my legends on the show, but like, I'm just, I'm just high on it. I, it could be the fact that I'm about to smash the gym and I'm, you know, but I'm pumped regardless. Anyway, um, I do want to, I kind of want to give people an insight into what you were doing two and a half years ago before you, you started getting a book offer as well um because you're as we've kind of uh, i think we've talked about you're canadian which is awesome we love our canadian friends on this show we love all our friends on the show but we love the fact that you're part of the commonwealth i've discussed that before um i still have to work out how to get back there very shortly irrespective two and a half years ago what were you doing like what was going on you, you obviously you were writing your, you're doing your, your content in general but is that your full-time job at the time so two and a half years ago no, it's 2019, right? So what are we? 20, we're 2022. So we're back to 2020, 2019. I didn't leave my full-time job until 2019. So prior to that, I was actually working at a hospital in marketing for their foundation. So hospitals in Canada have like charities and I was like the marketing person for the a hosp- local hospital <laughs> charity. And on my nights and weekends, I was blogging for playing you and trying to build this up because I literally felt in my soul, like so inclined to tell everybody that they need to be eating more plants or going plant-based. And I ended up launching a subscription business, which was $7.99 per month. People would get a weekly PDF suggested like meal plan with like plant-based dinner ideas, really simple ideas. And that kind of took off and enabled me to leave my job in June of 2019. So at the time I'm running this like subscription business, I was now making an equitable income to what I would had at the hospital, which kind of enabled me to take that leap of faith. Even though at the time, my mom, I remember saying like, don't do it. Wait till you're on maternity leave one day. And like, then you can kind of start and pursue this little like side thing. <laughs> My mom listens back to this. I'm not dragging her one most wonderful human in the world, but <laughs> I still bug her to that to this day about that. So then I took the leap of faith. I'm now posting on Instagram every day, infographics, no video. People barely know who I am. Like I would get messages on info on Instagram because they're just these food pics with like ingredient photos and then the finished dish. And people would think I'm a boy. Like they don't know that I'm the face of this. So then I got the book deal and then short video content in 2020 started really taking off. And Uh, My background in school is in broadcast journalism. Before working at the hospital, I worked as a radio host. I wanted to be a television news reporter. And I think that probably gave me a leg up in kind of tackling this short video content head on. And I just started making recipe videos first on my phone. And then I started filming them on a camera. And you know this, like you just get better and better and better at them. 
And they started going viral. I mean, TikTok started taking off. So I kind of hopped onto there pretty early on and was able to garner a large following. Instagram started kind of going. And I mean, the rest is history. I wrote the book in 2020, like literally through the pandemic. And I guess that kind of there was nothing else to do. So I was consumed by writing the manuscript and then it all kind of fell into place. Like everything has just kind of like a puzzle piece. <laughs> just like that. It's just so simple. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> Lots of oh, breakdowns and tears and 70 it. hour work weeks, as you yeah. know, all too well, but That's worth it. That's crazy. I, like the, the whole this is, the subscription based model is genius. Um, I'm stoked that you took the leap. You know, when you got to that point of, it, it always is that common thing we kind of come to here when we when we open up about uh, getting um, people on who are entrepreneurial, or very entrepreneurial. We have entrepreneurial people on this podcast. We talk about like the decision they made from leaving a somewhat of a stable job and, and making the shift. And people like say what. We get a comment. We always get this common question: What do you do? Like, what is it you do? And it's honestly, it's like it's you just take action. You just do it, right? And it's just like you back yourself. And I think if I was in your head then, and I can only re- do this by relating to me, but when you did that, it wasn't it wasn't even a question. You were just like, I'm going to do this. It wasn't a question of doubt. It was like I'm doing this, and that's how you did it, right? A hundred percent. And I think at the end of the day, you need to have the faith in yourself and also be prepared. Like I did not. I didn't just quit and have like no money in the bank account and none coming in, right? I had worked nights and weekends to prepare myself and wasn't in the privileged position that I was able mm-hmm. to do that. I want to mention that from the get-go, but worked nights and weekends in order to build it up enough that it was making an equitable income. So I had complete comfort in knowing that I could make that jump and I wasn't going to like not be able to pay rent. And then at the end of the day, also the faith in myself that if this didn't work out, I could get another job. And I think I hear that commonly from entrepreneurs. It's like work your nights and weekends because at the end of the day, if it's a passion project and you're going to take the route of entrepreneurship, you're going to need to love it because the hours, it's not like I'm reducing my hours because I'm Mm -hmm. now working for myself. They've quadrupled. So like you really, really have to love it and then grind and work until it's, there's some sort of formulation of a business plan in order to make that jump. Like that's my biggest advice. But to your point, yes. Like once I had made that decision, it didn't even feel like a choice. Like I felt like I just had to do it. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. And did you see the, uh, I'm actually curious about this. Did you see TikTok take off and as a result, it benefited Instagram or were they just two separate channels that were just going ham as a result of the content you were doing? I was resistant to getting on TikTok at first because I just felt like we had seen Vine and stuff and other apps and then they collapsed, which who knows what will happen with TikTok, but it doesn't seem to be heading in that direction. So the, what I did actually was open up TikTok one day and I spent like four hours on it to try and understand what the heck was going on with this app and like how I could apply what I was doing to it. And honestly, at that time, Instagram hadn't introduced Reels yet. So 
there was no, they were completely separate in terms of the strategies. So I was like on Instagram sharing photos. And then I started doing like random recipe videos on TikTok. And I think what happened then is Instagram then quickly released reels because they wanted to compete with TikTok. And I had all of this video content already done. So I was able to then just start uploading videos like immediately onto Instagram reels, which was again, a leg up and kind of a stroke of luck. And because Instagram was prioritizing those reels so much, it definitely helped my platform grow. And in terms of now, do I think like one is benefiting the other? I don't think I have a huge crossover of audience. I think TikTok skews very young. Instagram has been growing. My platform's been growing for like, I think I started it in like 2016. So it's just completely different. But my platform on TikTok's larger, but it's different. It's not the same personal feeling on TikTok. Dude, I I honestly just, I, I don't know if I, I can't believe I've shared, I can't remember if I shared my personal TikTok experience yet on the podcast. Um, but I find it absolutely a unique situation. And, and Milan, my dude, uh, and Marie, Marie Fustas, Marie and Milan handle TikTok. And the reason why I say they handle TikTok and I don't get it is because we do such a good job of putting in content that you and I have talked about before and that you do. We plan out our recipes, we go through testing, we edit the footage, we make it you know, relatively comical or in some way relatable and we get a recipe out of it that people are inspired by. So we put those recipes up on TikTok and you know, some of them do pretty decent. Um, and when I say decent, they hit like you know, a, couple, a couple hundred thousand views or whatever. And then all of a sudden Milan puts up a video of me having um, a fail in the kitchen and that one hits like four and a half million people. And I'm just like, I don't get TikTok. I don't like, I, don't, I just don't get it. People are more interested in seeing us fail than they are seeing us like actually put together a very critiqued video. Yeah. It's like, I completely relate. It's the videos <laughs> you don't work at all on that seem to go off and it is infuriating. But I think what it is about TikTok is it's just so not curated. Like mm. people just love feeling like they're in the kitchen with you and whichever else, whereas Instagram still um, is produced, which yeah. I prefer producing my content because we do this full time mm. and you want to create this experience for people. Yeah. But I think on TikTok, it's like, again, just so informal and yeah, I, it's a beast. (laughs) So what's this, is the message here on TikTok? Not that we ever talk about these respective social platforms on the, on the, on the podcast, not that we don't want to, but is the, is the message not like, and this goes against everything that I ever talk about, but is it like, don't try on TikTok to get views? (laughs) Yeah, almost. I mean, it's, there's so much opportunity. This has become an entrepreneurship conversation, which I don't think is a bad thing. And I want anybody who's listening to know that if you have something you're passionate about and you have a cell phone and you have a personality and and can create short video content Mm -hmm. between TikTok, Instagram, Facebook has rolled out reels. Mm -hmm. There just has never been more opportunity to monetize that passion. And I don't, I don't, I think the thing about TikTok and the thing about Instagram, it's like you need to throw it all to the wall and see what sticks. Because once you see what sticks, that's when you can kind of double down and duplicate the effort, right? So for me, for example, I mean, I'm probably most well known for at this point, which I only started in April of 2021, is scrappy cooking 
which is like this food series where I take common food scraps and turn them into like recipes. And once I saw the reaction to those videos and also I'm impact driven, it's just like I just kept doing them and they always hit. And then I try random stuff and sometimes it doesn't. So it's about throwing everything to the wall and seeing what you can offer uniquely, I think. Yeah, 100%. Doubling down on what works and being okay to try things to know what doesn't is 100% part of the battle. I definitely do want to talk about scrappy cooking. And it was like, it's such an exciting series that we really enjoyed watching. Um, but I want to I want to kick things off with your health journey. Once I kick things off, we are 30 minutes in. And I'm going to ask my very first question that I actually had scheduled down. Um, I, and this is when I know it's a really good podcast. This is where I know it's a really good podcast because you and I are hanging out. This is, there is, is it or am I just rambling? We're no, sure. dude, dude. I like legitimately it is uh, – we're, we're recording this right now. It's a Friday afternoon and I am honestly just – I'm like hanging out with a mate, which is exactly – and everyone's going like, to – honestly, everyone's going to write a review afterwards going – this was such a pleasure to listen to two legends just chat. That's because that's how they, they, that's how a podcast should be. No regime, nothing like that. Um, speaking of regime, I will ask the question that I think I think a lot of people will be interested in. Your health journey was it essentially catalyst from your father? Like, what, what was the that, is that, that what it was? Exactly. So when I was 11, my dad was diagnosed with stage two colon cancer, and my dad's like my hero and. He went through very invasive surgery, chemotherapy, the whole bit. I grew up on a hobby farm in a really small town in Ontario, Canada, and we were meat and dairy every meal of the day. And at the time, I don't know what it was like in Australia, but in Canada, our Canada Food Guide actually had distinct like fractions in their food guide that was like eat meat every day and dairy every day. So like my parents were doing the best they could and this is what we were eating every meal a day. Like I was not leaving the dinner table until I finished my glass of dairy milk. And it wasn't until 2015, the World Health Organization came out with breaking news that red and processed meat were now classed as group two and group one carcinogens. And it was super shocking because it was completely contradictory to what we had been led by the Canadian government, really. And I remember distinctly my father being mad because it was like he had gone from this really catastrophic cancer diagnosis, thank goodness, cancer free. And we had just continued eating meat in such an abundance. Like I, I'm, I'm not here to tell anybody that they shouldn't eat meat, but like we were eating meat every meal of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and dairy as the mainstays. So from there, as an immediate family, we started transitioning to a plant-based lifestyle. And at the time, I remember going on like Pinterest and just searching the word vegan and plant-based. And there was just a never-ending stream of these like beautiful nourish bowls with things like carved avocados, spiralized zucchini. And I was like, yeah, I can't do this. Like I'm a chicken wing and French fry type of person. <laughs> so I started just veganizing the food I had grown up eating and like sharing it under the name plant you because almost immediately and I won't go too far into this, but I had like the worst digestion growing up like constipation so I had was on laxatives from the time that I was a kid up until my early 20s and I had always told people that I had a slow digestive system well what do you know I go plant-based and that completely repairs itself within like a week 
clearly due to the fact that I was eating basically no fiber. And so I was like fired up. I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel amazing. I'm eating these huge, I'm, I love food, obviously. I'm eating these huge plates of food, not gaining any weight. In fact, I'm losing weight and it's great for the planet. It's great for our health and it's, and it's obviously great for the animals. So I was like, why is nobody talking about this? So that's how like I started getting started. And then it's like, I didn't know how to cook. So I started kind of documenting the journey on Instagram. And that's how Plant You originated and how the whole thing kind of got started. But my dad certainly was the inspiration there. And I think a lot of people, and we can't ignore the fact that most people enter plant-based from a health perspective. I think when a health crisis hits you, that's when you kind of wake up and are thinking, okay, I need to look at my diet rather than some of these sometimes exterior factors like the environment or the animals. I also think it's really interesting when we do talk about these particular areas of fiber in general, I don't think people realize when they go out to dinner or even just in their everyday how important it really is just to eat that color. And so like I think I know you had the personal experience of seeing the contrast, but some people don't don't have the I wouldn't say unfortunate situation where you see it firsthand because it's not as impactful as directly as it is for you, but there's subtle changes that do take shape. And that's where like, I think the people like yourself, Dr. B, myself, where we're creating these recipes where we lead with flavor and where we lead with those kind of things. And the health becomes, as much as to us, it's like the important factor to other people, the flavor is what leads them. And as a result, the byproduct is that it's a winner as well, if that makes sense. Exactly. The truth is that 98% of people in the United States are estimated to not meet their daily intake of fiber. And like, we're so focused on protein, right? And this really isn't a conversation that's at the forefront. And I think by making plants delicious, which where does fiber come from? It comes from plants. And I don't just mean vegetables. It comes from whole grains, your beans, your fruit, your vegetables. So as long as you can make those things delicious and in abundance, you're going to be 100 steps ahead rather than having just like a plate of chicken and rice, which is what I literally thought was the picture of health before transitioning to plant-based. It's crazy how we look at aesthetics of bodybuilders per se, and like they have steamed broccoli, rice, and chicken for four meals a day for seven months of the year. And you're just like, whoa, where's the diversity? But anyway, we don't need to go into that because we are uh, we, we respect the diligence and uh, the, the absolute discipline to eat no not much flavor. But anyway, um, so what actually happened? Did you did you see noticeable things even for your father's perspective? Did he like start to see, you know, the the onset of these cancerous uh, situations reduce? So he was clear from cancer after the surgery and the chemotherapy. Thank goodness. But uh, so this was in 2015. And I mean, it's been seven years. My dad's 71 years old. He has a horse, knock wood, uh, just had his heart checked and it was wonderful, perfect weight, everything. So I just think from this is an example of 
the perfect example. And my mom transitioned to plant-based too. And when I say plant-based, they are not vegan. So like they'll go out to eat, they're in Florida right now for the winter. They'll go out to eat and have like some seafood and stuff. But from a like cooking at home perspective, they are plant-based. And it's just a great example of people at any age really taking control of their health and being open to change. And I think that's like the key to health and life is like, you just have to be open. You don't get stuck in your ways because at the end of the day, like how wonderful is that? Like that at 71 years old, my dad, my dad is like rocking a plant-based diet. And it, it's, that's the best. I know I'm saying like, that's the best, but like I get so fired up when people like take control of their health and start eating plant-based because I just think it's such a key to longevity, to greater gut health, to greater mental health, to greater weight maintenance, everything. So this is interesting because I feel I 100% agree. But like, what if you were not Kylie and you (laughs) had a stubborn father or even mother for that reason who was just stuck in their ways because for so long they've been eating the way they are and they're like, you know what, I don't care. This is the way I want to eat. Would you, what, what would you say? Like, and I mean that because I know there's a lot of people out there who probably want to have an impact on when they go out to dinner or when they're at their parents' house to help them make decisions. Do you have any like thoughts that you would advise them on? Yeah. What's that phrase? Like you can bring the horse to water, but you can't make yeah, them drink. Exactly. I think it never goes over well with anything in life. If you're forcing a lifestyle change in a, I guess, aggressive way. I Mm. think at the end of the day, I like the word attractivism. I lead by talking about the incredible benefits that I've personally experienced that I've seen from family members experience of integrating more plants in their diet. And obviously encourage people to read into the literature around integrating more plants and the blue zones and the fact that the longest living populations in the world are for the most part eating a plant predominant diet. And I think then hopefully that people come around, but like, obviously it's just some people are not open to change. I think the other factor is like people are intimidated by the thought of plant-based cooking. And I'm sure you see this as well. And at the end of the day, that's kind of why I wrote the cookbook because if I can do it as a simple girl from like Ontario, Canada, again, with no cooking experience, I did not grow up cooking. If I can do this and I can turn something like mushrooms and walnuts into tacos that are just as delicious as your ground beef, anybody can do this. Anybody can do it. And um, so obviously like cooking a delicious plant-based meal or sharing food is another great way to get people inspired. There's also nothing like a good documentary, although you have to take them with a grain of salt, like anything, but like the forks over knives, the what the health, the game changers, all of these documentaries are, can be far convincing more than you kind of like telling your parents, this is what you need to do. I I also find it funny. It's like, You're so right in all this. And sometimes it takes someone else other than the people that are close to them to make them um, push them over the edge. And yeah, it's, it's very, you're right. I love the analogy you referred to because ultimately you can provide everyone with the ultimate resources and you can do it all, but unless they themselves action it, there's, you just can't do anything about it. But all you can do is give them the best platform, right? That's all you can do. Uh, and ultimately you need them to be intrinsically motivated to an extent to continue, which is, 
another big part for you is like outside the health benefits, you're very much involved. Like there's a lot of your messaging is morals as well, correct? Like, you know, you, you've discussed this openly. It's really awesome. It's inspiring. Yes. So animal agriculture has a tremendous drain on our earth, one of the leading causes of climate change. And one of the biggest individual ways that single humans can have an impact on reducing their environmental footprint is by eating less animal products, just because to grow like a pound of um, beef it just requires so much resources. Like you can simply think about how much a cow needs to eat to grow from a calf and then the transport of that and all of that. It's just, it's very resource demanding. So I'm very driven from an environmental perspective. I always say when people first go plant-based, like if they're going down that route, it's almost like opening Pandora's box. Like you open the lid for the health reasons maybe, right? And then you really start unraveling the realities of even the factory farming side of things, which can be super devastating. And I I assume that your audience, I'm not talking to vegans here. So I think at the end of the day, what I really appreciate about what you do and what I think we need to shift to as a society is that it's not about giving up meat and never having a steak again in your life. It's about stop, like, let's stop focusing meat as the focus of every meal. Like, let's start putting plants as the predominant focus because it's better for our health, better for the environment, better for the animals. And treating meat as that side dish, treating meat as that thing you have occasionally and, um, and really, I guess, paying the respect to it when you do. Yeah, like, I, the people, the people listening in now who are, you know, avid listeners know that we're, we just like you, we're here to help people eat more plants. And we're not saying that, as you said, not to ever have it again. We're just trying to find ways to encourage you to change your habits. And I think personally, like being on this current plant-based journey that I'm on, um, building this lean muscle on a plant-based, a plant-based um, diet, has been it's even been eye-opening for myself. Like the idea that even I thought that I needed more animal-based protein when I was eating a lot of plants already, to actually realizing how much protein and more importantly, amongst other things that I'm getting from these these wonderful plants, I was like, it's it's really made me like so when I stop my plant-based diet, I'm gonna be eating even more plants previously than I was and eating less animal-based, uh, animal-focused meals. Um, and so I think that's, I think that's one that the biggest takeaway for me is how much we rely on something we don't actually have to rely on. And that's huge. Bingo. That's exactly how I feel. Like in North America specifically, we just have centered meat and cheese and put it on such a pedestal. And it's like, I don't think I had had a vegan meal in my life before I made that transition and plants need to be celebrated. Like vegan food is honestly delicious. Plant-based food is delicious and you can mix in the meals and you're going to be better for it. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah. Without a doubt. We, uh, I've been sending you videos of one of the ones we booked out of your book. Uh, Actually wasn't even, actually this one was not in your book. It was, one of the recipes you post on your Instagram 
And we did this massive bowl of it's a carrot, you know, it's got kale, it's got all these sorts of different veggies in there, your noodles, and then it's epic nut-based sauce. And I remember serving it up, and this is why it's funny, I remember serving it up on a plate and it looks like the size of like four people. And I think apart from two forkfuls from Ty and Marie, just to confirm the taste, it was tasty, I demolished the entire thing <laughs> myself. I get so nervous when you make my recipes. I'm like, this is a chef making like this home cooked food. Like I'm going to have an anxiety attack, but I'm so glad you liked it. And this is one of my favorite parts that I don't really talk about of plant-based eating. Like I freaking love having huge serving sizes of food. Not that I restricted myself before, but like, it's just awesome. Like you can eat such an abundance of plants and feel great. Like you're just not getting the bloat, the sluggishness in whichever else that I used to have when like I ate dairy cheese. Like so many people are lactose intolerant too. And they're just continue eating the dairy because they don't realize that the, like you can emulate these amazing flavors with plants too. It's so exciting. It really is. Especially like, yeah, you're right. Like you're finding, I think that's another thing. It opens up your world to the possibilities of other flavors you never put the time and day into because, you know, protein from animals or dairy um, were just the default settings that we were brought up with. And so you never really allowed yourself to even try. And that's fine. Like I get it. Like I, you, you know, you look at the way that people shop right now and to this day it's like you go in, you get um, your veggies, you get your grain and you get your protein. And like I feel that that is the way that habits are instilled other than what we had talked about from when we're, you know, watching the, the, the health pyramids, right? But what if we were to adjust that and remove everything? You will be forced. If you, we, we removed all animal-based eating from the planet, just forced it, you are then forced to eat what you have remaining. And as a result, you would have to come up with some tasty meals, and you would do that with what you had as your resource. And so it's like not to say that I want people to have that removed. I'm just saying like if you actually took away something for a second and gave yourself the opportunity to you know learn another practice or another habit and then reintroduce the other things back in again if you thought you really needed it, you'd be surprised how much of your recipe repertoire you opened up. I always say this, like people will tell me, don't you find a plant-based lifestyle restrictive? And I always say like, no, before I went plant-based, I was literally rotating three cuts of meat and grains on my plate for like 20 years of my life. And all of a sudden I was forced to look at just the abundance of different cuisines, recipes, textures, tastes, um, plants. There's like thousands upon tens of thousands of edible plants in the world that you can open your palate up to and really going plant-based or mixing in plant-based meals can be the door to that. Even like from a cultural perspective, uh, I'll, I always say to people like, they'll often ask me, oh, where do you go to eat? Like, is there a vegan restaurant in your city? And there are, and they're amazing. But my favorite places to eat is like Thai restaurants or Indian restaurants, because a lot of their basis of their cuisine is just naturally vegan. Like they'll, they'll have beautiful stir fries and curries that you can get yeah. with tofu. And I had never eaten that food 
before going plant-based and like what a shame what a shame because the the flavors like that's my favorite food now thai food's my favorite food so yeah like it's just been it's such a joyous experience for me going plant-based that i could just like talk someone's ear off all day about how great it is i love how you said before how people asked you is eating a plant-based diet restrictive and it actually made me think for a second and it's almost counterintuitive. I reckon when you really think about it, eating protein is restrictive because it makes you restrict your mind in thinking about the possibilities of flavors that are out there. You are, you are so focused and narrow-minded that, as we said earlier, you're not allowing yourself to be completely unlocking the potential of the flavors you have in front of you. So anyway, that's I'm writing that down somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, you nailed it there. And what a lot of people don't realize is like, I'm not going to say that people don't like the taste of meat because I do think that there's that definitely that mouth feel of meat that people love, like a rib and stuff like that. But a lot of what you people love about meat is usually the seasonings and Mm. the way it's cooked. And we can do all these things with plants. So you can bring those flavors that you love about like, again, like a barbecue rib into something like barbecue tempeh and then like fill a bowl with beautiful like noodles and plants and stuff. And it's just like, you can't, you can't get better. So I just hope people who are listening to this are not like, she's a crazy vegan, (laughs) but like, I think at the end of the day, I hope, I hope, I hope that people can, I don't know, leave listening to this or leave getting my cookbook and think to themselves, yeah, I can like do a few plant-based meals per week because I think it all starts with that, right? One, yeah, one meal at a time. One meal at a time, dude. Like, and, and listeners love eating more plants, by the way, whether they eat omnivorously <laughs> like myself or not, they love eating more plants. And um, one of the coolest discoveries that this whole thing is, you're right, like salt, pepper on a beautiful seed olive oil um you know firm tofu and get a crispy edge is so delicious i know it sounds so weird and people like dan you're weird hey i love a crispy skin chicken i love searing my salmon to perfection i love wild last and pollock and cod and all those kind of things that i haven't had in a while but i'm not missing so much because i've got this beautiful way of cooking things like tofu and making this assortment of beans and things like that. So yes, it is undeniable you that you cannot replace something. You can't replace broccoli with a animal-based protein either. Like it goes both ways. It's, it's you know, you, you probably won't. You probably won't see that happen unless we get to a science-based situation where we're actually re- struggling to create broccoli. Um, but the point is, yes, tofu is delicious. Um, I'm interested to know like, out of all the recipes you've cooked, is there one that particularly, I wouldn't say favorite for the reasons of taste. I'm actually interested to know like the one you're particularly proud of. Yeah, I think you might have done it too. It was baked feta pasta. So I saw this go viral on TikTok, right? Mm. And I mean, it's this beautiful for anybody listening. You've probably seen it, but like it's a beautiful dish of like cherry tomatoes with feta baked in the middle. And then people add like cooked pasta to it. And I like saw it and my mouth was watering. Mm. And I'm like, I gotta veganize this. So instinctually, this is where I felt like 
I had kind of reaffirmed myself in terms of knowing how to cook vegan because I immediately I'm like I can do this with tofu so I blended tofu with like apple cider vinegar garlic powder nutritional yeast to create this like flavor bomb kind of similar to the feta put it in a baking dish with cherry tomatoes set a little prayer put it in the oven and then like (laughs) took it out and added pasta to it To this day, I get a message about this recipe every single day. Like people love it. They feed it to their like meat eating and cheese eating friends and they don't realize that there's no dairy in it. It's so creamy, so delicious, really high in protein if you're Mm. worried about your protein. And yeah, like that was an affirming moment to me because like immediately I saw the dish. I'm like, I want that. And here's how I can do it vegan. And uh, it turned out great. Yeah, when you did, I think someone tagged me no someone tagged you in my my one that I did and they're like <laughs> they're like have you guys been cooking in each other's kitchens <laughs> it's like two great minds think like you actually added more to yours than I did I just put a tofu in the center you actually made a mix out of it and some flavor and stuff in the center I was like you went a step further I love your work sometimes um, simple's good though right like tofu yeah. tofu I didn't like when I went vegan too people are terrified of tofu like I was one of those people I'm like mm. this is like the blandest slab like how are people eating this but like it's now my favorite food, kind of like to your earlier point. There's so many ways you can flavor it and I crave it now. Like I am like tofu fiend. That's awesome. A tofu specialist. I mean, now no, statistically, you have to have a large per- portion of tofu per day to truly have an issue yes. with your hormones. That is scientifically proven. The team know that. Don't you worry. Um, awesome. Let's talk about scrappy cooking for a second. I know this isn't, this is a, like, it's combining two things that I love from your world that you're passionate about, obviously the plant-based movement, but also eradicating the fact of food waste, which is pretty massive in this world. And I'm on the food council with City Harvest and two things that we work on is helping feed those in need. And the second one is eliminating the fact that there's still 40% of food in this world goes to waste. So um, the fact that you are someone leading the charge with this along with Max as well. Max does a great job of it. Um, I'm, I'm just curious, it's like, is this one of those things where you're like, I'm going to do this and see if it sticks? And it obviously did. Yeah. Like, so I was already doing these things in my home because not only am I impassioned from the environmental perspective, but grocery prices in Canada specifically are just exorbitant. Mm. And it's like, if you're buying broccoli by weight each week and you're throwing out the stems, you're literally throwing out half the broccoli and it's perfectly edible and delicious. So (laughs) I think I threw up like an orange peel candy recipe one day, not thinking much of it. Like this is just one of my videos and people went nuts over it. And then it was kind of like throwing things to the wall to see what sticks. Like I just started churning out these scrappy cooking recipes And to this day, it's definitely the most kind of engagement driving series that I do. And the reason I'm really, really passionate about it is like, to your point, 40% of edible food in the United States goes to waste, but it contributes to methane in landfills, which is really bad for our planet. But above and beyond that, I think what it does is like gets people thinking about their food and what they're buying and when they go to the grocery store and where we're really going to be able to ignite change from both a plant-based and a low-waste perspective is by people 
consumer choices matter. You go into a grocery store now and you see 20 different almond milks. It was not that way four years ago, let me tell you. And when people start being really mindful about their choices and having these conversations, we're going to see a shift in industry. Companies are going to need to start being more responsible. They're going to need to reduce their single-use plastics, et cetera, et cetera. So like, I think like scrappy cooking, amazing if you're now like, keeping your broccoli stems and making them into broccoli fries. That's incredible for your wallet. It's great for the planet. But above and beyond the individual impact, I really just want to keep this conversation going about how we can drive industry change. And I think like... Like you said, Max LeMann is amazing. There's so many creators who are bringing this conversation to the forefront that's just so important and industry is going to pay attention. Like there's brands that I work with that um, are watching these videos and see are seeing and need to change. So that's my hope. Yeah, 100%. And like, I mean, look at, we talked about this at the start of the, the podcast is like the fact that your book has hit where it has is is because of that, that we are seeing the change. There's a reason why we're now seeing cauliflower gnocchi at Trader Joe's. There's a reason why you are now able to get more plant-based options when we go to restaurants. And you even see there's plant-based menu offerings at restaurants that aren't, as in the sense that they'll bring out a separate menu for those people who are plant-based. Um, don't get me wrong. We still got like we're still very small like percentage we're talking about here in comparison to what needs to be done, but we can see the trajectory and where we're, we're heading. And that's that's what's exciting to me. It's like each each one of us plays our part in providing resources and information and just practical application, whether it be recipes or understandings of where to actually do do the work that needs to be done. But um, I, I I definitely feel. That from when you started to where you are now, obviously through the growth of your respective channels, you've probably seen even more direct impact on the people that uh, on society in general. Like you see the movement within the own plant you community happening, right? People are so fired up about it. Like they'll message yeah, me every day, like, oh, I'm saving my like orange peels or I'm doing this. And then I see other recipe creators, and this is like, you said Max Lamana and whichever else, like more and more people are integrating the whole plant into their recipes, which is just, it's so exciting to see because I do think like we talk a lot about, we put a lot of pressure on individuals to make changes and it's, it can feel a little doomsday sometime. Like I have to do this and this and this in order to reduce my environmental impact. Like, yes, but at the end of the day, what will drive change is like industry shifting. And that's why these conversations matter. And it's so cool to see them happening and people talking about it, about it whether they're doing it perfectly or not, doesn't matter whatsoever. We just need to keep it going. Yeah, because the more we talk about it, the more the industry will change. Because then we're putting – it's like anything. It's like the demand, if the demand is there, it will, it will happen. Which exactly. Is, which, is, which is really, really exciting. Wow. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of perplexed as to where to take this next part of the conversation. But I know I do want to highlight a couple of things. I do want to highlight the fact that you and I have been chatting probably for about two hours now, um, an hour and ten of which has been – recorded um i do want to just state how much of an absolute legend you are as an individual i also want to note that it's now dark when we, st- <laughs> when we started i'm now looking at it's light in the background it's uh it's, <laughs> it's, 
the sun does go down really early in Canada, but yeah, like I'm sitting in the dark now. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. This is great. This is classic conversation. So good. Um, and I think where I do want to finish the last part of this uh, this this chapter of this podcast is talking about the success of the book and how I I remember when I received it and I'm in my studio kitchen. And I opened up the book and in, it's so funny. Like I picked it up and I was like, it is so you from everything. Like just, you could totally know it on the cover. And you, from the moment you went through the pages, everything about it was just like unbelievably done for a purpose. So much so that you are now having supply chain issues with your book. Am I right? Yeah, the publishing experience has been really wild (laughs) for me. So I'm so glad you said that it's very me. I'm getting that like constantly, which just Mm. makes me feel really aligned with like the book and the message and whichever else. But I had a call with like my publisher two weeks before the book is out. And I really have to credit like the Plant You community just really blew this out of the water. The book had so many pre-orders that they like sat me down, the publishing team. And like, I, I hop onto this call and there's like all these faces I don't recognize of these people like high up in this, my publisher. And I'm like, what is, what's going on? Like they're torching the book. It's like, what is going on? Anyways, basically the pre-order push had been so huge that they were able to forecast that the book was going to run out of stock shortly after it's out. So the book, we're recording this, I mean, a week and a half after it's out, 24 hours it had been out. And unfortunately, to my anxiety, the book (laughs) went out of stock on every online retailer. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Indigo, you name it, you cannot get this book anymore online. So what was happening is like the stock was selling out faster than these online retailers could move books through their system. So there were still books, but I didn't know that. I'm like, we've sold out of all copies. And I was like in crisis. Anyways, (laughs) as the week went on, slowly like Barnes and Noble on like the Friday night came back into stock with like so many copies. I woke up in the morning, they were gone. It was like so tumultuous. I think at the time of us recording this, we're sold out on every online retailer, but Barnes and Noble has a little more stock. So if you're listening to this, check Barnes and Noble. But anyways, supply chain issues. We've heard all about it. Like I've been trying to get a new couch for like years and like haven't been able to because of supply chain issues. Well, what do you know? It's now impacting the book industry, hardcover books specifically. So unfortunately, no fault of their own. My publisher is not able to get their second print run of the books in until June. So now I'm in this like really weird period where the book is like hit the New York Times bestsellers list. There's all this momentum around it. And we're basically out of books, which like bright side. This is incredible. The plant-based movement is taking over. This is awesome, but it's really weird. And then also like, I must say like my publisher has just been absolutely tremendous and supportive. Uh, my my platform kind of like doubled in the last six months. So I can see how this happened in terms of the first print run. And then d- things just kind of exploded, right? So we're in just this weird circumstance, but it, it'll all kind of, it'll all kind of work out as of June. 
Oh my god, this is so amazing! I love the fact how you, like a lot of people would have would be stoked their books. Are, you're like, you're like, you're like, this sucks or no? Well, the thing was, Dan, because like I had so many people pre-order the book, which was like amazing. It was like, okay, I this book could hit the New York Times bestsellers list. It could hit one of these lists, but then it sells out in 24 hours, and you're like they're going to look at this book and be like, no sales were made the week the book was out. <laughs> so I'm like, I was like having a crisis. Like, I'm like, I don't know what to do. I had 40 live interviews planned the week my book was out with like people like Dr. B, Dan Buettner, all of these people. And I'm like hopping on and they're like, so where can people get the book? And I'm like, they can't get the book. <laughs> like, it's, so thank goodness. I think Amazon like kept shipping books, but they just weren't coming into stock back online. And, um, but yeah, that's like a little picture into the publishing industry. This happens more often than you can think when like a book kind of blows up. And I'm really just grateful. At the end of the day, it's like really surreal and awesome but at the time it was scary <laughs> what happens if like books were priced the base of like crypto where like they went up and down based on supply and demand so like the fact that like now it's like really expensive to get a plant new book and when it comes back out it drops down again per you know I, <laughs> that, like that would value your book very highly if someone really wanted it right now right yeah like i'm i have like my own little stash and it's like <laughs> what are these worth at this point i'm just kidding i'm just kidding i wish i could give everybody a book to be honest like that would be my dream but that's just it's not how contraband it works. yeah contraband right now <laughs> so good. i'm really glad i've got my own book by the way so just by the way if people do want to pick up the book and they are happy to wait until when it's next available is there somewhere they can go to put their name on the list absolutely so you can back order it back order it on bookshop.org mm-hmm. in Canada. There's still copies around because shipments came in late. And then so indigo and amazon.ca and then amazon.com. If you place an order now, I don't know if they're completely out of stock, but it's very close. So what will just happen is you'll get your book whenever they come in and it could be sooner than June. That's just what my publisher is predicting. And I haven't done this yet, but I had a whole bunch of freebies that people got when they pre-ordered the book of like a vegan cheese making ebook, a vegan snack ebook, all of this stuff. I just need to update my landing page. People will all be able to get that stuff right away when they pre-order, no matter when they pre-order or sorry, pre-order for June order now, even though the book is out. Um, so I'm going to make all that stuff available to anybody who orders because just to tie them over. Smart move. So just you got a couple of places online. We'll put all those in the show notes on your website. I'm assuming you got your mailing list and everything, which would be super helpful for those people to update as well. Yeah, exactly. And like when you go to claim the freebies, it's the URLs plantyoucookbook.com, which I'll also send you, but you get put on the mailing list so that I can notify you when what's happening with the stock things. But it's interesting. And I'm sure you've experienced this as an, as an author. I feel so bad because it's like people will message me from wherever and they're like, my book hasn't arrived yet. Cause obviously there's just been shipping delays in general. And it's as an author, you're pretty powerless. Like I just have nothing to do with the distribution and fulfillment of book orders. And I can't really answer those questions, right? Like you're better off taking it up with the direct retailer. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, 
it's so funny when like the beautiful world of social media is you can contact the person you're talking about, but the beautiful world as well is like you contacting them sometimes about something they have no power to actually control. So if it's related to supply chain, Carly's obviously empathetic, but uh, someone will handle it for sure outside of her control for sure. But just stay up to date with what you're talking about because uh, obviously she'll continue to give you updates on news and stuff. Um Dude, this has been such a joyous, like genuinely joyous afternoon for me. I've really had just thank you so much for giving me this much time with you. I'm looking forward to actually just hanging out in person and actually either cooking or not cooking and not filming or filming or whatever it is that we want to do, but just having it as two friends uh, just stoked on life around this plant movement. And for those of you who, well, for those of the awesome listeners who for some reason don't know where to find you already. Where's the best place to find you? I'm used to talk about your your website, Instagram and and TikTok. Absolutely. So my name on every social platform is plant you, plant Y-O-U. And I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Facebook, plantyou.com is my website. So if you even Google that, you'll find me. And Dan, I just want to say like from the bottom of my heart, thank you for having me on. This is epic and uh we had so much fun and i've actually never been to new york so i need to come isn't that crazy yeah i've never been (laughs) like when i tell you i'm small town ontario like i have never been to new york when you say okay so when you say small town how many people live in so i live in a city now with like thousands of people but it's not like a toronto like have you been to toronto in canada i've been to toronto for the day not much i've been to i've been vancouver yeah, so I grew up on like a hobby farm in small town, small town. So it's like, I've never been to New York, but I want to go so bad. Like I assumed when my book was out that I'd be able to like go around. But as I understand, like in Canada, we're just coming out of lockdown. So as I understand, it's not like the best time to be doing that. So hopefully in the summer when the books are back in stock, I can make my way down. Oh, we're going to make that happen. It's going to be so sick. Yes. <laughs> in New York. I can imagine like the behind the scenes of your like first experience and doing all the touristy stuff. And then the stuff that's just like from like your friends like myself who would just take you to things that people don't know about. That's all. It's going to be awesome. Well, irrespective, I look forward to that day um, as does the rest of the Epic Table community. We're all massive fans of you. And thanks for just being a legend. And once again, absolutely deserved. New York Times bestseller, Carly. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you.